Welcome to the RV Navigator podcast, your RV lifestyle digital home. Visit the RV Navigator homepage at rvnavigator.com. And now, here are your hosts, Ken and Martha, podcasting from their mobile RV studio that might be parked in a campground near you. Hello, this is Ken, your RV Navigator. And Martha, the co-pilot. And we're talking to you for the last time, for a while at least, from our home. Uh, It's been our practice since we've retired to be at home during the holidays, enjoying friends and family. But after six weeks in the cold weather of metropolitan Chicago, uh, we have had enough and we can't wait to load up the rig and get out of here. So although this is the January 2008 episode of the RV Navigator, we are at the end of 2007 because we'll be on the road at the very beginning, and we wouldn't want you to have to wait for this episode. And theoretically, we should have less technical difficulties while we are at home, although we understand that last month you could hear a lot of echo because well, we were talking to you from problems, the basement yeah. office, and uh, it was nearly not nearly as snug and cozy as our RV is. So maybe it's better so to talk maybe. to you on the road. But we do have uh, some fun stuff to talk about today, and uh, we're going to get into the cold. <laughs> we first want to talk about uh, our new listener comment line. So you know that you can contact us by looking at the website at www.rvnavigator.com. And we really are grateful for those emails. We love the emails. And we've gotten several good ones this month, and even somebody who wants Wants to have more of the RV Navigator. I can't imagine Hard why. Hard to believe, but they asked for more episodes. Well, so. well, we'll do the best we can. <laughs> if we can do two, we will in a month, but uh, it's not going to be a weekly thing, I don't think. Um, but we have the new listener comment line, so you can give us a call at 815-230-0772. Leave us a message. No one will answer the phone, but leave us a message. Uh, give us a shout-out. Uh, give us some comments, and... If it's appropriate, we'll stick them into the show next next month or in any pre, in any following month. So that's once again, eight one five two three zero zero seven seven two. Now, might we call people back with oh, their yes. comments? Oh yes, we could possibly call you back. Um, and I suppose if they really don't want their comments to be part of the webca- <laughs> uh, podcast and broadcast live, that they should say so, and we would but honor it, that. But it would be fun to hear from you. And and the emails that we get are fabulous. Unfortunately, uh, we've not unfortunately, but we've heard from several people from overseas, and I'm not sure that they're going to want to call 815-230-0772. We're sorry about that, but... Stick the stick the uh, country code in front of that and give us a call if you if you feel like maybe you know. they have Vonage and it won't cost a lot. Definitely, that's a possibility, but whether it'll happen, I don't know. Well, we're looking forward to hearing from you with your voice. So you have not only the website, not only the email at rvnavigator.com, but now you have a listener comment line. I've heard other podcasters do this, so we're going to see how this works out. Maybe you could be the first if you give us a call right away. <laughs> whoop de doo whoop de doo Yes, anyway, so we'll be glad to hear from you. We've, we've had a really good reading your emails. So we're going to talk a little bit here. We're going to put in a, a, a radio moment, which we get from the RV Traveler. And this is about uh, pavement camping which we're probably going to do some in the next few days. What is that? That is uh, camping in a parking lot. Well, why would you want to do that? Well, some people would say because you're cheap, but in our case, I think it's just because we don't want to mess around with finding a campground, and there are Walmarts uh, uh, off of every interstate. You just zip off. As a matter of fact, we even bought the RV 
uh, Walmart book that has explicit directions on how to get to each R, each uh, Walmart and which ones allow for camping in the parking lot and which ones don't. Because you should ask because some Walmarts um, are forbidden for having RVs camped on their lots because there's a campground nearby and the campground owner has gotten the local politicos to make it illegal because they're losing money when you camp for free at Walmart instead of at their campground. So for when instance, you go to a Walmart, you should stop and check that it's okay. For instance, the one in Naperville, Illinois, close to us, does not allow camping, but there is no campground in the whole county, I don't believe. Well, Naperville is a la-di-da community. That's also <laughs> an issue. He's just sitting in their parking lots. And the other reason why I can think of why we might be doing some pavement camping is when we leave here at, uh, in our home, uh, there are not very many campgrounds open this time of year until we get 400 miles away. So sometimes you really have no choice. And maybe we should uh, ask our listeners in other countries whether they do pavement camping. Hmm. Might be interesting. Anyway, uh, we're going to stick this little episode in here and uh, for 90 seconds and let you listen to that and, and give you some tips and hints about uh, pavement camping. This RV Radio Moment is brought to you by RVBookstore.com offering the world's largest selection of books and DVDs about the RV lifestyle. This week's question is, what does pavement camping mean? Here's what the experts say. Pavement camping means parking overnight for free and without utility hookups on the hard-surfaced lot of a commercial property. RVers resort to pavement camping when they're fatigued, uncomfortable with a more conventional site, or wish to save money. Remember, you always face the possibility of eviction when pavement camping. Popular sites are Walmart, casino, and truck stop lots. Those places often are patrolled by police or other security forces. RVers also use shopping center and church parking lots. Some claim highway rest areas are safe. Others disagree. Whenever pavement camping, try to park near other RVers. Don't use lawn chairs or deploy awnings. Leave no trash. Keep your cell phone close at hand and don't open the door unless you know who's knocking. You'll find more information at freecampgrounds.com. Okay, wasn't that interesting? Yes. <laughs> We didn't really listen to it just then. <laughs> but RV topics. Let's talk about some things that are going on in the RVing world. And these are quite interesting, frankly. Um, the prediction for diesel prices for 2008. Let us pray. Let us pray. Around here, uh, diesel now is costing about three fifty a gallon. But ouch. it says, ouch, especially when you take 150 gallons. But it says here that um, we can expect the prices to go down to three thirty-one in January, and the average for the whole year of two thousand eight will be three dollars and twenty-one cents. Is that around here? It's for the or country. For the country, I guess. But as we know, we go to other places that it's substantially cheaper. And what will cause it to change? In the last two weeks, the actual price of diesel has dropped nine cents a gallon. That's that's good news. Yeah, as you know, the uh, sulfur free fuel has caused refining costs to go up as well as the fact that uh, diesel directly competes with home heating oil so in the winter diesel tends to go up in price and also with the christmas delivery season just having finished 
that uh, all those trucks that delivered all that merchandise were all using diesel. I think the UPS man came to our house <laughs> nearly every day. I wonder with why. All the, with all, of the, I better not say anything because he's probably coming today too. <laughs> well, it, it's hard for the UPS man to find you once we're on yes, the road again. Yes, but understand that he's using a GPS, which makes his route very efficient. Good. <laughs> And we like to use GPSs because we like to. Gasoline prices are expected to shoot back up over three forty a gallon by the time summer arrives. Gas or diesel? Gas. Ooh, we're looking at the finally the parity coming back. Around here, it's fifty cents a gallon difference between gas and, and diesel. So if we were being economical, we would stay home in the winter and go away in the summer. Okay, that's <laughs> not going to happen. We'll do both. Um, another interesting topic here. Guess who is going to be exporting RVs to the United States? Well, the people who export everything else that we buy in the United States. Could it States? be the Chinese? Yes, they're going to have lead-painted RVs. <laughs> Just don't lick your new RV. <laughs> <laughs> or let your kids chomp on it. Yes, the Chinese are actually going to are exporting a new RV that's called the Cute, C-U-T-E, RV to the United States. And isn't that going to be interesting to see that I wonder that if that's a copy of something else, since the Chinese very rarely make anything from scratch, they're always ripping off um, a product that somebody else is already well, making. it's a 14-foot teardrop. So, you know, we've seen those teardrops driving on the road. This one is interesting because the, the picture, if you take a look at our website, is white with blue trim, a baby blue trim. So it's kind of feminine looking, shall I say? Well, it looks cute, like its name. Yeah, it weighs it, uh, less than 3,000 pounds and is designed for towing behind a six-cylinder vehicle. That'll be very interesting to see, and it's designed to sell for less than 20 grand. A good starter vehicle. So maybe some other folks in the world will be having will be having an acute RV. Not acute, but a cute, C-U-T-E, Chinese RV. Won't that be fun? I wonder if it will come with inscrutable operating directions like other things you buy from oh, RV manuals are already China. <laughs> oh, oh, well, that could be bad news. Hopefully, their Translated. dealers will be oh, able to train you. We got to get that manual. It'll just be fun to read. We could spend probably a whole episode just talking about that. Okay, so something a little bit more serious. This uh, website, Taco T A C O, which is the Texas Association of Campground Owners, which offers. Uh, tools for uh, looking for campgrounds in Texas. And we know that the Texas uh, campgrounds are fun and they have a lot of really good ones. And here's a nice website that uh, allows you to search for campgrounds in Texas, including the state parks. And if I remember correctly, when we would come into Texas on a major thoroughfare, the Welcome Center would always have the Taco Campground book, which would have uh, coupons in it for a lot of the campgrounds, which was a way to save some money. Uh, so look for that whenever you enter and cross the state line into Texas. So that's uh, the usual stuff, Texas, T-E-X-A-S, campgrounds.com, one word. So take a look at uh, at the taco site if you're planning to head to Texas, and we would strongly recommend that you do that in the, <laughs> before it gets hot. Something else we took a look at, uh, we've been using a, a very nice sewer hose. Very so we expensive. To sewer hoses. It was what? Expensive. Yeah, but it... The sewer hoses have this problem. They rip. And there's nothing worse than a hose that rips while you're in the middle of using it. Or that has a hole in it already. That's your stuff is coming out of there. This is one that collapses. And I don't know exactly how it works, but we have been using this now for a couple of years, and it's available at Camping World. It's called the Ramble Superflex Sewer Hose. It's much more sturdily built than the usual cheap well, sewer yes, hose you can it, buy. As I say, it, it actually has a collapsing system built into it. So, so it doesn't it. take up much room when no, you're not using it. No, from 10 feet to 3 feet. 
yeah, which is very cool. And we story. have actually a 20 footer. You know, you put your standard connections on the ends, and that uh, actually we used it for a long time, and we still have it in this RV. And it's stiff, but not so stiff that it makes it hard to collapse it again. It's got some sort of a wire system in it that that actually makes it collapse, but keeps it flexible. So and that firm. It, and firm. So that's very interesting. Oh, a nice new RV. Let's see, we are of course class Ayers, but. We don't uh, deny that there are lots of folks that are interested in fifth wheels and uh, travel trailers. And we take a look at uh, the new carriage design. And one of the things that's been very popular in Class A's is the full wall slide. And we will be going down to the Tampa Super Show, and our, probably our next report will be... On site. On site. All the latest developments. All the latest developments, which we know that you want to hear. The full wall ones where you have about a... 25-foot wall that slides out. Depending on how big your rig is. Exactly, but in a 40-footer, um, they get that bit way. And we now have a full-wall fifth wheel. Why not? Is, why not? It has a 30-foot full-wall slide-out on a 37-foot. And that's, and that's way cool because it adds lots of extra storage. doesn't add to your slide-out count, but it certainly <laughs> is, is a nice uh, way to make the inside very big. And no one has concerns about the <coughs> about the overall weight of a full-wall slide? That's interesting. I don't know if uh, full-walls are more use more weight than... Well, I would think they would because there's more stuff sitting in them. Well, not really. Mm. I don't know, but the mechanisms, there's only one mechanism as opposed to two or more. You know, mm -hmm. some have three slides yeah, on each side. Yeah, so, so there are more, less know. mechanisms to worry about. But that one is working know. hard. And I don't know, sometimes I have mixed emotions about that. Uh, the other day we brought our motorhome near our house so that we could start loading it up. And Ken had to park very uh, specifically so that he would not um, knock over the tree in our tree bank when we put the slide outs out. And I could position him well because we have two smaller slide outs and the tree was in between them. So sometimes having a full wall could limit you and how you park in a campground. Depends how much space you have to utilize. And that's uh, that's absolutely true. You know, the number of slides is you need to think about it carefully because one of the th I like having the one side without any slides because then you can open up the compartments mm -hmm. more Get easily, at them more easily and without bonking your head. And I would say that shallow slides are not worth it. If you're going to have a slide, have <laughs> have a slide. <laughs> that really and you don't you get two room. big slides on on opposites each other. Mm. They just can't do it. Mm -hmm. You know, so one is usually 18 inches and the others. 25 or 26 But inches. I've seen some that look like they were only adding maybe two feet at the most, and it was like, why bother? The last news story, beep, 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 The world report here from your friends at the RV Navigator is that Winnebago has made its 400,000th motorhome. How long have they been in business, does it say? No. It seems right like it we've been seeing them since we've been camping, so... We went to the uh, RV Museum in Elkhart, Indiana, and there are certainly mini winnies from a long time ago in the in the 60s. Yeah, they so, were a pioneer in the field. So we're talking about probably close to 50 years anyway. That's uh, a real accomplishment that they've made 400,000. Uh, go to their plant and take a look at it. And yeah, they're like, supposed to have nice tours. We yes, need to do that. We haven't done that yet. <laughs> You know, one thing that we thought about when we were uh, touring Ireland and visiting some campgrounds and seeing a few cute little uh, caravans, as they call them, parked there was... Yeah, the, the, the really light ones, you know, they don't weigh very much and they can be towed by regular cars and... No and slide outs. No slide outs. You know, we did, we looked in Asia too and they don't have uh, anything but the very smallest of caravans that... Uh, 
that are not even available in the United States, as we mentioned last time. So we kind so of we thought, were wondering, what, what would it be like if, if, we, if took... we could bring our motorhome to Europe? <laughs> yeah. It sounds like a ridiculous idea and is probably very expensive. But lo and we behold, we found somebody who's actually, actually doing it. it. Uh, we really don't know them. We only found them on the web where they are keeping blog. a very interesting travel blog. Uh, this is a young family uh, with two children, ages 5 and 12, who left home in mid-July, sold their house, and shipped their Class A motorhome motor to Brussels. Uh, they picked it up there and are working their way through Western Europe. They are in a 35-foot Winnebago, one of the 400,000 that was produced by Winnebago, uh, a sightseer, and you know it's a fully self-contained RV, but... They've had a lot of interesting issues as they've traveled. My question would be, how the heck do you hook the thing up? Why? The, oh, the electricity Well, issues. with electricity, and, you know, they don't have sewer connections. And as he's found out, the water connections, he said he had about 35 different water connectors because... Nothing every, is standardized. Nothing in, is standardized. In the well, world. they're all different in different campsites. And, and I think they felt somewhat confident to do that because he had been in the service in Germany and had seen some campgrounds and some people camping there, and that kind of gave him the idea that it was possible to do. And one thing, of course, when you think about Europe, you think of tiny little cobblestone lanes where no one could ever drive an RV. And while that is indeed true, um, Europe is also full of tourist yeah. coaches uh, that are taking people on wonderful tours to, if it's Tuesday, this must be Belgium sightsee. Yep. And so if a tourist coach can make it down that road, well, so can a Class A motorhome. Exactly. And he's even driven his left-hand drive in England. And, and they that, have a campground book like we do yep. and, and are able to move. Well, they have to call ahead to make sure there's there's the kind of space they space need. And lots, them, of the, yeah. lots of the campgrounds in Europe close down in the wintertime because there's very little winter camping because their RVs are not designed for it at all. And who wants to camp in the winter anyway? Well, there might be some people who would want to camp in the winter. But one of the interesting things was he had problems with his aqua heat. He called the United States to get the parts to have it fixed and found out that the, that the unit that he was actually using in his, in his coach was actually made in Germany. Isn't that funny? <laughs> it's a small world. And that there were dealers in the U.K. who were familiar with the unit and could fix it. And they could get parts and things, but they had, a, they had the German connection rather than the American connection. So he was able to get parts and get it fixed fairly rapidly. That, after getting a fairly large converter put in his RV so that the voltage would be correct. Now you're going to put the link to their blog on our website, right, for people? Oh, absolutely. I wouldn't, want, I wouldn't uh, pretend to be able to summarize all their issues all their and, adventures, yeah. and all their adventures. But, yeah. you know, if you're interested in this kind of thing, even if you're not actually planning to do it, uh, it, it is a fascinating blog and, you know, one of the cool things that you can find on the web about RVing because it, that's an adventure that's got to be unique. The other person that this thinks me this makes me think of is when we were in South Africa, uh, we were in very small campers. I think we've talked about that before. And in one of our campgrounds was a, a luxurious-looking motorhome that made us all think of home. Yes. And when we talked to that family, uh, they had lived and worked in the United States, although they were South African nationals, and loved the RV life and realized that they couldn't buy a vehicle like that at home. So they had the parts of it 
shipped, shipped from to, Camping World in a container to South Africa. <laughs> they where went to Camping the, World and bought all the refrigerator. Where all that the stuff. economical oh, labormen could put it together for yeah, them. It uh, worked out really well for them. They had a very nice coach, and and of course Africa is more spacious, and the campgrounds were big for the most part, and I don't think they had any problems. In the in the Shearer family, parking. who we just talked about. Uh, the the gentleman who writes the blog talked about uh, the fact that the, yes they don't see too many class A's like this but at one particular campground they had a a big Monaco dynasty pull up next to them with a matching car hauler trailer on the back which wow. you know we've seen <laughs> wow and the guy pulls out a Mercedes out of the out of the trailer and he was a, a German national I guess if you want to do it you can and as she says uh, because coaches drive all over Europe. That it's entirely possible that you can drive your coach. But of course, I wouldn't recommend doing this right now while the dollar is so weak and the euro mm. is so strong. I can't imagine buying gas over there and food. Uh, we were just shocked when we were in, in Ireland about how expensive everything was. But it'll be interesting to see how this family does. Today's main topic is winter camping. And of course, they are doing winter camping because they have to, because they're in their RV in the winter in Europe. I think they're in Germany right now. And that would be cold. But uh, we actually wanted to test our our motorhome out to see how it would uh, react to the winter season. And we brought it uh, and slept in it for a night here, the first time in four months. In front of our house, our neighbors think (laughs) we're really weird. (laughs) With our fifth wheel, we were always kind of cold. We were always quite cold. Whatever got below freezing. And if there was any wind or anything, it really caused us It had single-pane windows, and it was always kind of drafty. And somebody uh, a while ago asked us to kind of talk about the quality features or how you could tell quality features in an RV. And I think that has a lot to do with winter camping. Winter tests the metal of your RV. <laughs> and if you're interested in doing winter camping, and I guess if you go skiing or something, you could stay in your RV. There are people who winter camp in tents, remember. They're just not us. Well, I'm not even going to talk about that, but I want to have our furnace. <laughs> we... uh We've been thinking about doing some winter camping. No, we have not been thinking about it. We've been thinking about the topic of winter camping, and I've included a couple of websites uh, in the show links so that you could uh, re- review it for yourself. It is something that is feasible in our Class A, that we could actually go and do winter camping and be quite comfortable, I think. And another factor is that we have an insulated basement, so we don't have to worry about our water So what are some freezing? factors, some things that you want to look at? And one, of course, is the fact that we we think that having insulated windows is a very good idea. And very good seals around your slides. And you're going to want to use water and stuff. And in order to be able to do that, you need heat pads. And, you know, these are all expensive quality features that you look for in an RV. A completely enclosed deli, whether it's in a fifth wheel or in a Class A, is very important. And, you know, travel trailers that are weekend variety just don't have that. You know, the pipes are all sitting out there exposed and will freeze with the least little cold. Now, where would you get fresh water? You know, I'm thinking of our friends who visited us well, lately with their motorhome, and we found a campground that was open for them, but they had turned off the water, rightly yeah, so. Well, there all are the, uh, several places, you know, and the, the Shear family from <laughs> Europe. I was surprised when he talked about uh, where they dump and where they get water, and he said most of the big truck stops have connections because, now think about this, most coaches in Europe have bathrooms. That's right, they do. That coach driver has to dump the stuff someplace, and they're going to want to do it legally, I would think, and not do the Dave Matthews. (laughs) (laughs) Uh 
I don't I'm know sure. if everybody knows about that, but it sure is a gross story. The Dave Matthews Band in here in Chicago was... <laughs> was here with their tour bus. I don't want to say Dave Matthews Band. The the driver of the Dave Matthews Band decided that it would be a good idea. And there probably just... wasn't a place in downtown Chicago where he could get rid of the effluent in so, a legal sort of way. So he decided that he would... <laughs> the bridges over the Chicago River are not solid. They're, not they're solid. like gate. Uh, they're like you know perforated. Kind of perforated. And you just kind of see through to the water below. And he decided that he would just kind of stop the bus, pull, and pull open the lever, pull open the lever, and dump the stuff in the Chicago River. Nobody would be the wiser. He did that, and there was a tour boat. Because the other thing people directly... like to do on the Chicago <laughs> River is take tours, admiring our beautiful architecture here, and they got a head full. <sighs> The whole boat got oh, soaked with this. <laughs> so gross. I hate to even think about it. Oh, God. And these people were looking up at the architecture, so you can imagine what it was like. Anyway, that was quite a, a story around here. So if you don't want to do that and you want to do it more legally, then you would go to um, apparently large truck stops in Europe, and they have dump stations and places to fill your water. So you could or go to a truck stop to, here. Well, for us, it might be the Flying J. Mm-hmm. Or someplace uh, convenient like that. Or there are campgrounds that have year-round water, but you have to put a heat thing mm-hmm. around the, you know, heat tape, I guess, is, is one of the uh, the basic <laughs> a tools, a fundamental uh, tool that you need to have while you are camping in the winter. And they, they talk about that uh, quite extensively. You know, and of course, you wouldn't want anything to freeze in your sewer, so you'd want to just dump when it's either warm, but you wouldn't want to just leave that guy open either because you could have this big chunk of ice. <laughs> Maybe we should put a caveat at the beginning of this podcast. This, this is going to be a really gross one. Yeah. And another thing people do is uh, one of the places you get a lot of cold air is through the vents. And if you have a Fantastic or something, that, you know, Fantastics are great, but that's just a thin piece of plastic and you take them and stuff insulation up there and you can buy special ones that uh, that actually go into the ceiling. You know, we took a electric heater with us. Which is nice if you have electricity. Which is nice if you have electricity, but it also... Uh, is a nice addition to your furnace because I think most RV furnaces, including the one in this Class A, the furnace is fairly loud and, and frankly fairly inefficient. And if you're paying for electricity at the campground already, I think, you know, what the heck? You and in our old one, it felt like it was warm while the furnace was running, but as soon as it shut off, it would get cold right away. But if you're thinking about uh, using your RV in the winter, and you're going to be buying a new RV, you might want to consider heat pumps. Ours has a heat pump in it, and it actually works very well. And you say, what is a heat pump? It's your air conditioner running backwards. (laughs) It works. You have to understand that in in the summertime, your air conditioner uses a compressor to bring, to extract heat from your RV and, and sends it to the outside. And, you know, if you feel the vent on an air conditioner, um, either on your house or in your RV, you know, there's, it's hot air coming out of there. It's much hotter than the, the air surrounding it. If you take in the winter time, if you take and reverse the air conditioner, and you instead of pumping heat out of the RV as you do in the summertime, which is called air conditioning, you're actually pumping heat out of the out of doors and into the RV. So the vent is into the RV. Now this doesn't take any uh, rewiring or or re. Um, plumbing of your heating ducts or anything it uses the same air conditioner basically just reverse it electronically instead of the heat coming from the inside to the outside it's going from the outside to the inside and so you get heat now that works down to about 40 degrees but it's a nice efficient way to use um, your air conditioners twice 
in both in the winter and the summer. And of course, that does take uh, a fair amount of juice, electricity to make that happen. Another issue that you have, humidity inside. And this is something we've always found. Our, our RVs are fairly tightly sealed, and just your normal body perspiration and exhaling exhaling and certainly when you cook and you need some way to actually get the humidity out of the rv and you need <laughs> many people talk about winter camping and actually having a dehumidifier in the rv makes so, sense and it makes sense although we have if you're going to do that for an extended period of time and also some people use uh, flame uh, catalytic converters which are propane based heaters which you can use interior without uh, danger of using up the oxygen. And they also produce a lot of water vapor, which then would condense on your windows. And the problem we've had is you can't even see out of your windows if they're single pane because they are so cold. And if you get up in the morning and try to drive, you have to clean off your windows from the inside rather than the outside. Yes, and you'd always have to do that. Um, and certainly our windshield was uh, very dewy when we got up the uh, our, our big... When we camped the- on our street... <laughs> Well, we're not. Well, we might be cold weather camping. Who knows? And certainly, we have done it by mistake a few times, uh, but it's not part of our normal camping experience. Maybe it is yours. Now, another thing that always worries me is our slides because um, I don't want them to freeze open and then not be able to move on down the road. Uh-huh. Now, with our current motorhome, we have little awnings, which I assume should help some uh, in terms of keeping precipitation off. But I'm I'm wondering how much it takes before your slide is unslidable. You mean how much snow it would take? Well, I'm wondering if it would make more sense to sleep with your slides in so that you can then move down the road if you have to, and then you have a smaller space. I'm not to worried heat. too much about ice, but I would be worried about a quantity of snow or cold that makes the lubrication of no, the slide stiff. Uh-uh. Oh. I don't think that's much of an issue. I hope for you're us right. Anyway. Us with our covers over the slide roof keeps any moisture from condensing on the roof so that you would get almost no moisture on it as long as it opens in the cold weather. We've been very happy that our RV, after four months of sitting, just kind of started up and sprang was ready back to, to sprang back to life. Um, I was A good about, sign. Yeah, I was worried about the diesel starting up. and But people tell me that you can start diesels down to about zero before you have to use block heaters and, and special fuel stuff, so... I'm hoping that that's absolutely true. What other things do you have to worry about? Insulation, thermostatically controlled heat tapes, that's all good. So I guess that about covers most of the issues with uh, winter camping. Nah, I'm sure there'll be lots of people who'll be telling us. They're going to be giving us a call on our new hotline, right? The number is 815-230-0772, and they'll be telling us about their experiences with winter camping. Now, one thing you should not do is, A, drive through an ice storm, but, B, if you do drive through an ice storm, you, attempt to. you should remove your power cord from your compartment before you start driving because it will be frozen shut and then you won't be able to get your power cord out when you finally do come to your senses and stop somewhere is that coming from personal experience i'm afraid so i will never forget that night we we had the unfortunate experience of being in oklahoma city in an ice storm but it wasn't this past year they've had their their serious ice storms before this year but uh, but you got to plan ahead for that indeed you do but we were not prepared because those big snake cords get so stiff in the winter that you just don't know. I remember you couldn't get the hatch get open. It open. Well, that too. Yes, when you get water 
on the sides and you start to get uh, that frozen and that you know it acts just like a so you might if you have a detachable power cord you might want to bring it inside while you're driving oh is that what you meant I yeah see. we I couldn't see. get the hatch open remember yeah and now we have one that isn't detachable but supposedly it's being heated people. it's being heated by our basement uh, i don't know what that is <laughs> But at least it's electric. Oh, now I have something else to worry about. No, it's going to be warm when we go. Uh-huh. So. so, dear re- listeners, uh, we are going to turn it over to 2008, and we will hopefully be visiting you uh, sometime in January, and we hope that you've enjoyed this podcast. Uh, we certainly enjoy uh, talking to you and uh, keeping you updated with our news and travel, and we are anxious to hear from you, so please send us an email if you get a chance, and uh, we will respond rapidly. We're just so pleased that you are enjoying this podcast and giving us positive feedback because that encourages us to keep going and uh, try to do an even better job in the new year to come. And we'll try to solve the technical issues which are still ongoing. But anyway, for now, this is Ken, your RV navigator. And Martha, the co-pilot, wishing you Happy New Year and happy travels. Thank you.